Hello, besties. Welcome to the Bestie for Life podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Ann, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, besties. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Mark O'Donnell, aka my dad. He grew up in San Francisco, where he jumped from rooftop to rooftop and grew up riding streetcars, and then moved in high school to right outside of New York City. He left home at 18 and hitchhiked across the country and eventually landed in New Mexico, where he fell in love with glass blowing and metalwork. That was what got him to move to Madison, Wisconsin to try and get into their glass blowing program. However, it required a fine arts degree, which he did not have. This caused him to pivot. He earned his undergraduate degree by working during the day and going to night school at the University of Wisconsin, graduating with a degree in economics and also spoke fluent Chinese by the end of his college career, which led to an exciting business career working with and in China. He later went back while I was in elementary school and got his MBA at UW as well, taking night classes again. Small business is his preferred career experience, and being a part of a team working to grow and solve problems was his favorite part of the different jobs that he has had. He is also just a really cool person. He can find a connection with anyone and has a story for everything. He is a cancer survivor, been sober for 38 years, and is a music fanatic, especially live music, which makes sense since he grew up in two of the best cities for it. This past summer, I actually got to go to a Grateful Dead concert with him at Wrigley Field in Chicago, and it was an absolute blast, a memory that I will cherish forever. I mentioned that he was a cancer survivor, and that's one of the reasons this episode is really special to me. He was diagnosed two years ago with throat cancer. There was a possibility that he wouldn't be here today, and there was also a possibility that if he did survive, he would lose his voice forever because of the cancer or because of the treatment. So to be able to listen and talk with my dad today means a lot because there was a chance that I might not have been able to. So I count every conversation with him as a gift. And I'm honored to share one of our conversations with you today. I've been able to learn a lot from my dad over the years. And since the Bestie for Life podcast is all about having a bestie for all of the life stuff, I thought you might want a career bestie. Before he retired, he worked with an awesome program where he mentored people with their resumes and prepared them for their interviews. All of his mentees got interviews and most got the jobs they applied for too. He loves helping people succeed no matter what professional career path they are pursuing. Today's Bestie Conversation is going to be an interview between me and my dad, and he is going to give us the inside scoop for how to make your resume and interview stand out from the crowd and how to network to your benefit. I am really excited for you to hear what he has to share, so let's get into it. Thank you, Dad, for being here, being on the podcast. I'm really glad you said yes, so welcome. Well, thank you, Kelly. This is an interesting <laughs> uh, thing to do with you. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of fun to connect in this way. So thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. So you are kind of um, the podcast's uh, career bestie, I guess is what I'm calling you. And mm. 
you have given a lot of great advice to me and friends and people um, that have really helped them be successful in the professional world. And that is what I'm coming to you for in this episode. Um, I would love for you to kind of explain a little bit about the program that you were working with right before you retired. You were kind of a mentor and you helped people with their resumes and interviews and, and kind of getting jobs in, I believe it was IT. So can you give us a little synopsis of what you did? Yeah, I will do that. Um, how this led into it was I was uh, uh, hired uh, to work for an organization called the AIM Institute. Uh, they uh, were a nonprofit organization that was intent on getting students to move from elementary school to uh, middle school to high school and on to college. They're typically used for first generation students. It was a different uh, job for me, but it threw me into uh, focusing really on uh, the needs of. Um, the organization in order to move forward with their programs. So I reached out to uh, Google, who had mm -hmm. been um, uh, in Iowa. I happened to, uh, through networking, which we'll talk about, mm -hmm, happened mm -hmm. to meet uh, the gentleman that ran uh, both data centers they built on Iowa. And there's also now started the ones in Nebraska. He's since retired, but uh, the program, so the gentleman that uh, I was working with at Google, and I used to have conversations about what uh, the future looked like for people getting out of uh, programs where programming and coding was being learned. And um, his point was, you know, he really looks for people with experience. So how do you get experience? Yeah, that's in, the classic question of like, you know, how do I get experience if no one will give me experience? Yeah, it's like what comes first, you know, right. chicken or the egg kind of thing. And so I'm, uh, we talked and uh, came up with the idea of um, having an internship program where uh, students from uh, community college uh, over in Iowa and students from uh, the University of Nebraska, a master's students here, uh, would help as the program directors. And I would find organizations that were looking for IT mm -hmm. and that they couldn't afford it. You know, in a nonprofit, not a lot of money in the coffers for that kind of stuff. Let me ask you a question then. So what did sure. you specifically do within that program to... Okay. Yeah, what, what, what was your role in, in the program? Well, I ran the whole thing, meaning I uh, reach out to the professors, the students on one side, and then I reach out to the businesses. Uh, what I mean by that, the nonprofits on the other side. And then when I would find a nonprofit that mm -hmm. needed help, I would bring it back. We had a board, and we then um, would decide which of these uh, nonprofits we would focus on. So then I would then go to the students and say, who has skill sets or is willing to work on this project? Yeah. That I would. And, you know, people would say, I would do it, I would do it. I coached them 
on mm -hmm. how to how to respond to questions, who runs the meetings, and uh, what we wanted to get out of those meetings. So it was a coaching session by helping them then assess what uh, they could do. Why do you focus so much of the like? Why do you focus so much on the resume? Right. Well, I I do initially focus. I think it's your ticket to your um, professional career. Uh, throughout your professional career, it's something you need to update on a very regular basis and, and change occasionally if you think you need to. Okay, I yeah. always recommend people make multiple copies, uh, maybe phrasing things differently or um, emphasizing one area, essentially editing that. So let, let's start with this. This is a, a document that will land you an interview with crafted directly. And it needs to be constantly updated. And you need to create different versions of your resume to focus on different aspects of your career slash experience. You also need to determine whether you want a chronological or functional resume. I understand what chronological means. What does functional uh, resume well, Functional mean? is really just a, a discussion surrounding your uh, experiences more of what you did, you know. Um, so, like, almost like these... it builds on each other. Like, here's my education that got me this job, and then this job right. got me that job, kind of thing. That's correct. Versus... And these are the things. And these are the things I did in those roles. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much when you did those things, but that you did those things. So, okay. functional resume is a little bit harder to structure. Mm -hmm. Because it does have chronological aspects to it. Okay. But overall, it's a, a combination, I think, is the best way to have the, your resume. But for you, for people right out of school, very little experience, that is a little more difficult. Yeah, right. Because you don't have as much, yeah. here's what I've done. Yeah. It's yeah. more about the future. <laughs> and your education. Though anything you do while you you're getting your education, or while you were in high school, say, it, it can be, you know, put onto your resume, so that um, if it's relevant to the job that you're, or career yeah, that you're pursuing, exactly, exactly. You know, you hear the thing all the time from uh, oh, HR people too that we only take one page, two pages, right, right. It's tough to fit experience. in a lot of experience um, yeah. in one page, right? You can't do it too. I, yeah. I could, you cannot do it in two pages. So I always say, if they say one or two pages, but you have the experience and your resume is a very professional and it's five pages long, send it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need to understand people's experience, you know, what they can bring to the organization. So you're kind of saying anything that is relevant to the career you're pursuing yes. can go on. What things should we be putting on our resumes then? Jobs, of course, education, of course, but is there anything else well, that we could uh, be including? Well, any volunteer service uh, work that you do. Okay. Uh, but then five years into your career, drop off the high school stuff. Okay. And focus okay. on your college has always got to be there, your degrees. But then get more into the real life experience that you've had in the last five years yeah. on. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. 
how can I make my resume stand out? Okay. Well, what I'm suggesting initially, you clean up your entire history. <laughs> yeah. Because if, yeah. if they find something, your great resume isn't going to be worth anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you, you need to get rid of the history. So there's so some what, prep before you turn in a resume that you can yes. do on your kind yeah. of online presence. That's cool. Um, you need to really uh, focus on the company and understand what they're looking for a little bit better than just that they need a sales manager. Mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. thing. So you want to dig into have they struggled recently? Are they growing? You know, you want to do some pre work on. You have to understand that company almost better than they do. Okay. And, okay. Um, that takes a little bit of work, but it's very doable. So make your resume specific to the companies that you are applying to yeah. and their needs and interests moving forward. Right, right. Now, you know, but you can check all your boxes on those resumes, and, but they're more interested in whether you can increase their revenues, mm -hmm. decrease their costs, or improve efficiencies, and et cetera. And, and so how do you accomplish this on your resume? Mm -hmm. Write that down. As a statistic, I increased sales 35% in one year. Won okay. an award. Won an award for best salesperson, blah, blah, blah. You know, but you focus on the numbers. That sets you apart right there. Yeah, you I mean, know? reading that, that resume, I, you can easily see that this person is coming from a place where they've done really well or they've helped the company that they're currently leaving. Correct. And, uh, uh, headbutted with their management. I don't know. You know, it happens. Yeah. Um, you can turn those events, even though they're negative, into positives, you know, mm -hmm. by saying, prepare yourself for the interview because yeah. that will come up. But in the back of your mind, start building the stories. So, Kelly, employers aren't really interested in whether you have the skill sets. And, and you can check all the boxes to do the job. They know that. They wouldn't have applied. So mm -hmm. um, they're not looking. But they're more interested in whether you can increase revenues, decrease costs, improve efficiencies, et cetera. So how do you accomplish this on your resume? You do it by inserting statistics that show your deep understanding of that organization's most important metrics. And your resume should demonstrate an overall knowledge of the industries you are involved in. And I would also point out that at this point, you would have a deep knowledge of both the industries you're coming from, and if mm -hmm. you're changing industries, uh, knowledge of the industries you're going to. Mm -hmm. right? You don't say you just sold products. You talk about you constructed a team to research updates to existing products that allowed the company to expand into different markets, thus improving the bottom line by 20% last, last year. That is what you say. Yeah, so so there's a difference between like I like the box that you can tick is, you know, sales experience or team management. But then right. if you explain that box and really put in specific data and experience into the yeah. description that's right. more informative and, and can really help you stand out right it will help you stand out. um do you see the difference in how you describe your accomplishments accomplishments mm -hmm. not that you just sold things but that you look at an organization from a holistic perspective this approach to interpreting your data about your career 
gives a perspective employer a much better picture of your value to an organization. No need to embellish, just be truthful. And um, if not certain of a statistic, don't make it up, but estimate on the lower side and keep your ego in check. Constructing a resume in this fashion will get you interviewed, but remember that finding your employment is a numbers game. Mm-hmm. And so statistics show that on average, for every 10 resumes you get in front of people, you will get one, when I say legitimate job interview. Mm. And every 10 legitimate interviews results in one legitimate job offer. Now, what I mean by legitimate is one that means an interview or a job offer that will lead to a job you, you want in terms of your salary requirements, benefits, career path, mm-hmm. and overall fit in the organization. Okay. So that seems a little um, exhausting. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, having to, I, I, you know, you interview know, to a lot to get a little. It seems that way. Like if you're in the thick of it, whether you're unemployed yeah. or just miserable at a job, it can feel kind of discouraging because you're going to get nine no's essentially, right. yeah. which that can be, that can be tough, but. Well, okay. I'll give you, a, I'll, I'll let you know a little exercise that I would do when I would get those kinds of letters. Yeah. I would post them up. I'd stick them up on a bulletin board uh, in my office and laugh at them <laughs> because some of them were like misspelled or, you know, they sent it, they spelled my name wrong or they, something was off about it. And I thought I would do to myself, well, I'm glad they don't work for that. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, laughing just because it's like, well, you missed out on a really great employee. Yeah, right. <laughs> I never looked. I had put those as more. Oh, I've done 90% of the work now. I mm-hmm. should be getting a job offer pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? That's how you look at it. It is a numbers game. And yeah. that's, um, unfortunately, people aren't banging on your door for, we need to hire right. you. You know, they, they uh, you need to just get in front of as many people as you can. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads in perfectly then to what we are going to talk about next. Kelly, now that we have a better understanding of resumes and how to get people focused, how to direct the leader of your resume to specific aspects of your career, we can discuss the, quote, art of networking. And, this and is I, really I mean, I consider you like the king of networking, so. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I am a connector, that's right. Uh, All my career, I would Mm -hmm. keep in mind who I've met. And then when I have conversations further down the road with various people, I would connect them. Yeah. I would say, look, I know a guy who does this, and he'd be interested in talking about this. And and, uh, let me uh, approach this uh, and give your listeners a little idea. You you really need to... um, uh, look at this as having fun. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, you know, as they think about meeting a stranger or talking to a stranger, their stomach kind of curls up and they have a hard time doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's not everyone's favorite part. <laughs> no, but the more you do it, you know, uh, the better uh, yeah. you get at it and the more comfortable you are. And you get to a point where you... I'm very confident about your 
still sad here. No, you know, talk to strangers. Well, and so, I think I think the way that you're approaching networking, it's less about yourself and it's more how like looking for that connection with other people. So right. whether it's with you and another person or you're like, hey, actually, I know someone who can help you out with that problem or right. um, set uh, something right. up for you. Right. And, and then you do that in your career, you know, and so then you you build your network because eventually someday you may need a favor, you know, and yeah. you can call that person who you helped out and didn't ask for anything then and they might, they will help you. They'll want to. Maybe a, a little bit longer in paragraphs mm -hmm. where you want to emphasize, but really what you're trying to do when you network is get that resume in front of as many people as you can. Not, you're not looking for jobs here. And this is the difference. Most people think of networking in the career world in terms of who and how many people they know. And they smash through that network in record time when they're looking for work. And the results are usually dismal. Mm. You know, nobody, even their best friends. Unfortunately, this gives networking a bad name and, and makes it more difficult. It does not usually result in a job. And this is the problem with people typical approach to networking. Right, because I'm going to ask my friend or my neighbor down the hall saying like, hey, is there any jobs where you're, you know, currently yeah. working? And they're yeah. going to say no, even if there are, to protect themselves. That's correct. I mean, and it really makes sense, you know, and they don't know you that well, you know, that they're going to risk their career. Yeah. High paying job. You can see how quickly you can, you burn through your network at that point and that's the end of the conversations with those people. Yeah. And that's really a very valuable uh, direction to go with your resume, but you burn them all by mm -hmm. asking for work. Mm -hmm. so, and so, um, and their, their response to that is, is usually, gee, uh, Mark, um, I haven't seen anything lately, and blah, 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 which yeah. may or may not be the truth, but they're not being helpful. Right? Yeah, they're not helping you find a job, you know. So at that point, you they resent you, and you resent them. Yeah, you've blown that relationship. An opportunity. You really can't. You essentially burned all your bridges at that point, and you will find, and you'll find yourself alone with your network. So you know all these people. You know you're not going to approach them anymore. How do you leverage your network into an actual job? Yeah. The network is very, very valuable. <laughs> well, this is where your highly polished resume comes in handy. And this approach to networking works very well. Okay. Uh, the first action you take is to list everyone you know. All right, now, um, this includes people you know from church, former coworkers, neighbors, friends, industry leaders. And once you have gathered all these contacts and they list, you reach out to each and every single one of them and ask for help. Okay. Explain to them, okay, and this is what you do. You explain to them that you are exploring different career avenues or options, wherever you want to phrase it. Mm -hmm. And you respect their position, positions in life and their opinion. As a friend over the mm -hmm. years, you valued their opinion. And therefore, um, you're hoping they would review your resume. That's what you're asking for. Help to review your resume mm. to see 
And then they would offer some insights and possibly some different directions that you might take in your career. Cool. Okay. Sense? Yeah. So. so you're not asking them for a job. Yeah. You're asking them for help with your resume. As a, as a friend, you want to keep that relationship with them, mm-hmm. you know, or even as in a career, you know, you've worked with a competitor. You want to keep that relationship. People want to be helpful, but they don't want to risk their career for, you, yeah. for yours. I would so, agree with that. So they're not going to um, be as helpful as you would like them to be. But, <laughs> but what you're asking this man or woman to do for you is to review your resume, right? make recommendations to help you in your career, mm-hmm. not to give you a job. Mm-hmm. And so there's a difference and it makes people say, of course, you know, if you yeah. know them, they're going to say yes. Yeah, and then what you will do is you immediately get that resume and to copy that resume to them, whether you hand deliver it to their home <laughs> or you, you know, mail it and express mail, you get it to them, and then you set up an appointment at that time to meet briefly. You ask yeah. for fifteen minutes, ten to fifteen minutes at the most, to review your the comments that he made or she made, mm-hmm. and. Um, get some clarification on things. So you get that resume to them and you get a Zoom call or you get a, a meeting in the coffee shop downtown, whatever. That face-to-face meeting is an interview. Right. Or the Zoom call is an interview. Yeah. Whether or not it's phrased that way, it's really not. They've read your resume. They've uh, given you the time on mm-hmm. a phone call or a meeting. So they're obviously interested yeah. So um, you have to treat it as an interview. Each one of these contacts that you make, you, your initial network is your friends and neighbors. So I forgot to mention one of the things that is scary to do is um, at the end of that conversation with these people that you sent the resume to and now you've had a 10-minute, essentially a 10-minute interview. Yeah. Um, you ask them if they know of two or three others that might that you might ask to review your resume. Mm. Then that, and they may say, I got a couple, or no, I'd rather not. That's fine. A lot of times people say, yeah, my lawyer, or blah, 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 my accountant. You know, yeah. That's networking. And then you contact those people. And you've essentially been given the green light to contact those people. We're going to move into interview. So I have submitted my resume to a bunch of different places. I have finally gotten a job interview. Um, Mm. I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling nervous. I'm probably freaking out. So let's talk about kind of the interview process because you've been on both sides, whether it's you're applying or you're hiring people. Um, Mm. And let's maybe talk about the, yeah, that whole process. Well, it's uh, very intricate. <laughs> Let's talk about pre-interview stuff, okay? Yeah. You need to build, um, and you discussed a little bit, you need to build stories around your life. Um, depending on your career, you have to adjust those stories. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example. I wanted to get into a fairly high. Okay, let's start with uh, unstructured. And I think that's most of what most interviews are about mm-hmm. you go in and um 
is sort of freewheeling. They ask a randomized question. Uh, some of it's focused on the job, but a lot of it's just, you know, going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so those are the worst. And a yeah. lot of times those are the ones you realize you don't really want to work for that company. But okay. that's, you know, the way you, you, so you accept it. I look at it as good practice, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to interview anywhere is good practice. Yeah. So, uh, it's unstructured, so you structured for them. But you have to, they'll ask you randomized questions. I mean, I've even heard, you know, the, the sort of cliche, uh, where do you expect to be in five years in this company? Yeah. Yeah. You know, where would you expect to be? Well, you know, I mean, the, the, the cliche answer is, well, I expect to have your job. But um, that's really not what they're Right. You don't for. want to necessarily tell them that. <laughs> yeah. How do you know where you're going to be in that company in five right. years? Right. No idea. I mean, and it could go anywhere. So what you want is to get their foot in the door. Mm-hmm. So you, you can go places with a company, but you don't do it by yeah. these kinds of interviews. So you have to bring it back to, well, let me give you an example of a time when I was leading a team mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. I brought these resources to bear on the issue. I brought this team together and why, and this is the outcome. Yeah. And then the outcome, if it's positive, that's great. But if it's negative, that's mm-hmm. okay too, because then you can discuss what you did afterwards to recover. Yeah, yeah, to recover. To make it and problem. probably what you learned from that experience as well. So focusing on a behavioral interview, because those are the most common. So how do you prepare for a behavioral interview? Like we kind of already talked about what you do, but like, how do you know what stories to bring up about yourself in an interview? Okay. All right. Well, well. You bring up stories of either past work or even outside of work, uh, volunteer organizations uh, that you belong to or social circles or something. Mm-hmm. And um, behavioral interviews are the prepare for them. You really have to construct these stories and have them in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. And you can have one story that will actually incorporate multiple aspects of maybe uh, the job requirements like a build a teamwork managing a team or uh productivity you know increase whatever you know uh they understanding the business and then your ability to uh, incorporate other like characteristics that are important for their employees to have that's correct yeah yeah so you you create these stories that you memorize and then um, uh, I'll give you an example, right? Mm-hmm. I was interviewed for the 78 program. I didn't have any business experience, not much. You know, I mean, I worked for the same company for about 12, 13 years. So it was a wonderful experience, but I hadn't come out of corporate world. Mm-hmm. You know? So I go into this MBA program and in the interview, um, they asked me about teamwork and I gave them a story. I said, you know, um, and this is rather than, well, you know, I, I worked on teams here and done this and done that. Yeah. I didn't have that kind of experience. So I pulled out when I worked blowing glass and talking about how that required in, in, intense teamwork, you know, and how it came together and how we worked together. 
And um, I got in. And the lady told me a lot of it was based on that interview. So it's a story that, that you tell that shows them in situations that they know might be challenging yeah. that you can, you can do the job. And, and that you bring, you know, the, 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 the way to structure it is, you know, when they ask you a question, you say, well, let me talk about, here's the problem we had, which is similar to what you're talking about. And this is the resources I brought to bear, the people I brought, the team I brought, mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Here's the outcome. And that's yeah. what you tell them in the interview. You're not at that moment going into your file cabinet, your brain, trying to find those stories. Yeah. Because the, the interview is stressful anyway. So right. if you're there in the middle of it, trying to remember where, what, when, and why, yeah. you know, you're in trouble. And you'll right. look like you're in trouble. You, they'll tell in your eyes where you're looking. Yeah. So you need to you need to know those stories well and know how they apply in terms of teamwork and team, yeah. you know, and everybody has them. Any experience you've had, you can turn it into a story that can be an example of some characteristic yeah. that. Yeah. So you have to point that out in the story. Yeah. Now, you can't yeah. tell Spell a story and it's totally unrelated to what the <laughs> question was. I mean, people do that, but that's a mistake. Yeah, you know, yeah. So really connect it back to... It's about connecting your story to what they need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Their, their, their problem. And this is how you handle it. In another organization, then in their minds, you're unlike any other candidate they've talked to. Yeah, Because yeah. all those other candidates will, oh yeah, I've had that experience. I did it for five years over at so-and-so. You know, okay. Who cares? Right. You know, what did you do for that company? You want to demonstrate to them in the interview process that not only do you have a good understanding of the metrics, but you also have to know how to change those metrics. Mm -hmm. You recognize the whole organization and how it functions. That's the best way to tell a story, to really give some detail. And, and you make a much more interesting candidate you know, when yeah. you start someone they'll like remember that. after having gone yeah. through 20 well, plus no, no. interviews then you're more likely to be considered for the job yeah you know, they, well, they're scared of it they're mm -hmm. scared of it you know because they think well they're going to be analyzing my every every movement uh, which every movement. and they I are mean, they are <laughs> yeah you are. sometimes these days they record video record your interview yeah i mean it's getting you know pretty uh, it's hard Intense. to get good jobs. You know, yeah. competition's yeah. really stiff. But I think that's yeah. where, like, part of the work that you can be doing for yourself is, like, yeah. practice telling those stories that's in correct. different ways that connect to different characteristics yeah. that yeah. companies are interested in. Yep. Yeah. You, um, you, re yeah, you really go through your life. It. Yeah. Yeah. You go through your life and you create stories that will demonstrate your skills much broader understanding of an organization. Well, um, that to me is, is really a, a, the basis of doing well in behavioral interviews. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, awesome. you, and I'll, let's talk a little bit about if they're not good interviewers. Yeah, how do you turn those kinds of interviews? Well, when they ask the question, you just think of the story that will answer that question. I'm taking a yes or no question right. and I'm elaborating. Yeah. Well, okay. Let, let me, let me see if I can think of an example. 
I'm going for a programming job. This is out of my comfort zone because I don't know how to program. But let's say I'm going for a programming job. And the question in the interview is, do you have uh, Linux experience, right? Mm-hmm. That's a checkbox. Uh-huh. So when you when you answer that question, you answer, well, hey, but you start out, you say, let me tell you, give you an example of when I was in this position, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And you turn that question that they ask into a behavioral answer. Again, that separates you from all the other candidates and go, well, yes, I could do that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know when you construct these stories uh, of your life, so to speak, you know, you really do, it's like building the resume. You have to spend the time to build those stories and to mm-hmm. memorize them well enough that they just come out of your mouth, ready to go. Then these interviews become fun. You know, literally, <laughs> literally fun because you have a lot more experience a lot of times than they're interviewing for and they yeah. get blown away. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is cool. Thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom in the um, just interviewing and resume and networking kind of uh, expertise. So I really appreciate it. And I think people are going to get a lot out of it. So thank you for being on here. Uh, it was my pleasure, Kelly. Um, yeah. It was I fun. Never thought, <laughs> I never thought I'd be doing a podcast with my daughter, but uh, uh, it's so fun. Thank it's you. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's so cool. thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Kelly. And, and best of luck. Thank you. <laughs> besties I wanted to give a little wrap up at the end of this interview to remind you what takeaways there are for you so number one when it comes to your resume don't just give a description of your job responsibilities give examples with specific data and action on your part that you did while you worked at that company showing your future employer how you had an impact on previous companies while you worked there is a great way to show your potential that they you have for them. And remember to be constantly updating that resume. Anything you do, data that was directly influenced, like increase in sales or cut in cost or implementing a new program or creating new policies or something, anything that you have an impact on, get it on your resume and do it when it happens so that you're not trying to remember what you did a year, two years ago, six months ago. Number two, remember that networking is about connection, whether it's between you and someone else or finding connections for other people. And remember that the way to use your network to find a job is actually to not ask for a job, but ask them to review your resume and give you feedback. Number three, The interview can be nerve-wracking, but there's plenty you can do beforehand to prepare for it so that you're less nervous. Have a handful of stories about yourself demonstrating different characteristics and values that then show the company and interviewer what a great asset you are. These stories can be from your professional or personal life as long as you connect them to the characteristic like teamwork, integrity, conflict resolution, or leadership. Then. Practice telling these stories so that when it's time for the interview, you're familiar with them. Thank you for listening to this week's Bestie Conversation. Like I said, it was a special one for me. I hope that you feel more prepared for the professional world because of this episode.
Thank you, besties, for listening to this week's episode. Leave a review if you would like. Send some stars my way. It is much appreciated. If you are wanting more Bestie for Life podcast in your life, you can follow me on Instagram at Bestie for Life podcast. This is where I'm connecting with listeners and hearing from you. Later, besties.